Hey everyone, this is Marcel. And this is Isabel, and you are listening to the Top Rank Podcast. For any new listeners, our podcast is an exploratory research platform centered on people of diverse backgrounds who are driving, shaping, and challenging their fields and the world around them. Mega media companies continue to merge, and social media platforms siphon us into echo chambers. But independent content creation remains one of the most empowering aspects of our current moment. Those with access to a computer and a Wi-Fi connection can develop and distribute their own media with a sense of urgency, creativity, and scale that was once thought to be unimaginable. We're so pleased to have one of these dynamic creators on our show today. Life with Jordan is a writer, curator of the Instagram account True to Us, and host of the very popular podcast Dating in NYC. Her work spans everything from lifestyle and fashion blogging to bold IGTV videos about sex positivity and safety. So to start off, first of all, thank you, Jordan, so much for Welcome. being here. Welcome. Thanks for uh, having me. That was the best intro I've ever had. I was trying to say that on the other thing, but it wouldn't work. That was a great intro. Wow, oh, thank, thank you. <laughs> We're very gassed because we always write these and we feel so like dorky coming on the show <laughs> with a little script. People are like, what? But much appreciated. Um, so yeah, to start off, it'd be great if, if you could just, you know, say a few words to introduce yourself, however you'd like to, but also our first question is really about what inspired you to become a content creator, which you're prolific at, and was this path something that you had always known you wanted to do, or was there like a, a moment where you realized that, that this was it? Um, well, to start, I'm Jordan, I'm from Harlem, New York, uh, my background was in writing and when i originally went to college i wanted to do um i think i wanted to do like uh radio i was really inspired by like miss info and um angie martinez and so i went to school for journalism and then i ended up switching from like broadcast journalism to print journalism and I went to college in like 2010. So that's around the time where they thought that uh, journalism and the bubble for journalism was gonna pop. So they kind of shifted into teaching us everything about media. And so that's how I kind of got a lot of, um, just essentially how I got to know the shit that I do know. <laughs> when I graduated, um, I, worked in journalism. I worked for a few people I thought who were like great when I was coming up. And then when I worked for them, it wasn't so great. And for me, I think it's just more so like I've been doing this for six years and I wasn't really getting the opportunities that I am just now getting. Um, going through like, you know, the journalism route or the route with my degree. Um, I think when COVID hit in the beginning of this, it just kind of reminded me that like, I don't really need to wait for anybody. I can just do whatever it is I've always wanted to do. So like with my videos where I talk about sex, I've always wanted a sex column and I've always like applied for Refinery29 when they have um, an opening for it. You know, I've pitched stories about this type of thing and it never got picked up. So one day I was just like, why can't I? just do it um you know i've had a blog for five years and so like i've always had a home for my words i think for me it was more so um figuring out how to pay myself 
which was the biggest thing. But I really just took this time to say, fuck it. And if I don't like it after the fact, I cannot do it because I, I'm not working for a company. I'm working for myself, essentially. Wow. So it's like really taking that initiative to be like, hey, I, I have something to say. I'm going to use the resources around me to tell my story. I think that's just powerful about, I think this sounds kind of intense, but like the human spirit, like the desire to, uh, for us to create and like actualize like who we are in the world. But the fact that you've also had these kind of like tough experiences too, it's like never meet your heroes, right? Because like once you do, you're like, wow. Oh yeah, oh shit. I was um an intern for Vashity, like an early intern as soon as I got out of college. And I really wanted to do like um streetwear and sneakers when I got out of college. So I had always looked up to Vashity. Um I was interning at Married to the Mop at the same time. I was interning for a hip hop publication called Respect Magazine. And I was working at HBO in their like gift store. So I had like three I had like maybe four jobs at the same time and only one of them paid. And like, I remember I met her off the whim um, at a Mick Jenkins, like listening party in the Alias. And I was like, Hey, I think I'm your intern. And she was like, Oh, I need you to write more. Like before she even asked me my name and everything. And that just kind of turned me off completely. And from that day forward, I was just like, all right, I guess I don't fuck with Ashley. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I like, feel like that era was also the peak of abusive internship, like normalization. Like I exploitable mean, exploitation mode. Yeah, I feel like there's been a little bit of a um a reckoning now that there's just more consciousness around what internships like should and can be or like what they should involve. But I think that like a lot of people around our age experience some version of that, like like fresh out of school. Mm-hmm. And, it, it is also one sort of, I mean, I hate to like, this whole like silver linings of COVID thing kind of has me down because I feel like there's so many uh, downsides, but one actual potential positive outcome is that I feel like I've heard a lot of creative people I know come to the same realization that they just need to, whatever that thing they were trying to get a co-sign to do, that now is just the time to do it independently. And mm-hmm. that is actually exciting to see. Yeah, it's just like working in media, we all have like, I've noticed, especially during these times where like, we're calling out publications, or we're calling out like really shifty um, editors or whatnot. Like we all have the same stories from different publications. So right now I'm just waiting on like, what's gonna happen from that? Because like, we can't, whenever COVID is under control, and we are allowed to work in offices again, it's like, okay, so what's gonna change? Right. You can't just be like, we're calling out publications and nothing happens. So exactly. I'm eager to see what happens with that. Yeah, let's see if they're really, you know, <laughs> keep to hold themselves accountable. But what I think with the, with the good thing about it is that there's this like moment of reckoning where things are on the record in a way where people are breaking NDAs and writing these like public testimonies. So I feel mm-hmm. like at this point there's just so much material to call people on their bullshit but you know who knows these companies are shameless so i guess like time will time will tell like how it'll unfold but in the meantime as like the media industry proper is kind of in a a shitstorm you are creating and continuously um churning out different kinds of content on different um, on several of your different platforms and i actually learned about you through your podcast um dating nyc and i i kind of want to hear more about 
um, that show, like you mentioned before that you uh, wanted to have a sex column. So was that your first, was the podcast your first foray into, into having your own sex column? Like what, what motivated you to start the show? Um, okay. Well, I went to college in Baltimore. I went to Morgan State University, uh, graduated in 2014 and I was in a relationship when I had graduated. Um, and then I came back home cause I graduated in December. So in like half of the semester and my partner and I decided we were going to stay together, but then I came home and I was just like outside more. So I had never really dated um, in like high school or whatever. So when I went away to school, I dated a whole bunch of like Maryland guys, DC guys, Jersey guys, but I never dated anybody like in New York for real. So um, I think 2014 is when everybody had decided they wanted to be in media or be in the music industry of some sort, even if like they weren't there already. So I used to go out a lot and um i'd meet different guys who would all say the same shit like eventually my partner and i ended up breaking up because it was long distance but like um i've kept i just kept meeting the same men in different bodies so like one guy would be like oh i work for um rock nation i remember being out at like some kind of event with an open bar because new york is good for that and he was like, hey, I work for Rock Nation. And I'm looking at him and he has on the Rock Nation hat. And I went to work the next day and I was working for Watch Loud, which was a publication at the time. And I looked at like the masthead of who works there. Maybe I looked on LinkedIn or something. I was like, his name is not there. And it's like simple shit people will lie about um, constantly. And so wow. like, yeah you did your research just, you're like let me just verify this but the thing about it it's so easy to look it up like it's easy to know if you work someplace right so like to lie about it is weird yeah but um i just started tweeting it out after a while i was like so does everybody do this in uh new york or like am i just experiencing weird men and then everybody was like nah this is what happens welcome home so uh <laughs> i started I started it as like a column on my blog and I interviewed maybe five women, five men, and I asked them all the same questions. And every time I would have different answers. Um, so it started from my blog and then someone was like, yeah, this is great, but um, people don't read. So you should do a podcast. And I remembered like my last year of college, I did some audio courses. So I already knew how to navigate GarageBand. Um, I knew how to like produce my own shit. So essentially that same weekend, I found a studio out in Brooklyn and um, I had somebody engineer it and I've been doing the podcast for like three years. Yeah. Wow. So you have a home, you have a home studio like for, for your show. So I used to, before Corona, I used to um, go to a studio. So like my first two years, I went to a stu studio out in Brooklyn and I had somebody engineer and throw it together. Um, this past year, I found somebody who lives in Harlem. He has like a studio in his brownstone. Um, but since COVID has hit, we just like record over Zoom now. Right, right. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear this kind of story that you tell about this kind of type that emerged in these, in the, in the places that you were, were going to. And it seems, I do find that like, 
the dating in New York with the men you were meeting was very much about like careerism? Like what was you like, you said they were all the same person and different bodies. I think it was more so like, you know how people who are not from New York move to New York and just decide this is who they're going to be now. Right. Like rebrand. Yeah. Like like rebranding. It's like, okay, nobody knows me out here. So I can be whoever I want. I can be whoever I've always looked up to. So it was a lot of people just doing that. And it wasn't just men, it was women too. But it's just like, I've never seen that from people who were trying to like date me before, Um, especially being in college and college is all about getting to know yourself. So I was dating a whole bunch of men trying to get, trying to know themselves. And then I leave college and it's a bunch of niggas like playing around. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't, (laughs) like I can tell like this is not who you are and it was just so blatant and I kept meeting a lot of men where it was just so blatantly like this is who you wish to be but this is not who you are oof wow (laughs) something something to text them one day (laughs) true and I feel like people try to date or are attracted to individuals who reflect the person they maybe want to be oh yeah especially in media especially during that time that was a time like a sales pitch everything constantly yeah Yeah. it's like career personally taste like in many ways but well I also wanted to ask you I mean it's obviously you brought your own dating experiences to the podcast and to kind of your initial research and setting this up but what are some things that you have learned like about dating and relationships that have been unexpected or like just what kind of variety of experience and point of view like have you encountered while doing this for the past three years? I'm so curious. Um, well, I've learned a lot and I have not, I don't think I've been in a relationship, like an actual mature relationship since I've started the podcast. Like there've been men I've been, I was dating, but it wasn't like an actual relationship. So I've learned a lot in these past three years. Like, who I was when I first started the podcast and what I was willing to tolerate and what I was willing to give out is completely different now. Um, As far as topics go, like whatever I have a a question about, that's usually a topic. So I learned a lot when I did an episode on HIV. Um, I learned a lot when I had sex workers on my podcast and they were speaking about how they balance like their love lives and their work life um so stuff it's really just stuff like I'm super curious about and I don't ever have a problem asking people and my thing is I always want to hear the story directly from someone who is living it so as long as I could do that I just do it and and this extends to like your IGT videos, IGTV videos as well. Is this something that you said you started during during COVID? Because I've watched some of them and are they like spontaneous? Like how do you, or how, like what kind of degree of planning? Like how do you decide like what to cover? Oh girl, the planning, like I'm, I'm late. I'm like maybe three or four weeks late on a video, honestly, because I just started getting into videos during COVID and like with COVID it's like, okay, we're not getting our hair done, we're eating more. So I'm just like, sometimes I really gotta like build myself up to do uh, an IGTV video. But um, the topics, I usually just have people um, send them to me. Like I think the first video I ever did, somebody was like, hey, you know, um, I if you really do the sex column, let me know. Cause I have a friend 
who her man bit her clit like while they were hooking up and like bit it to the point where she bled and I was like oh shit and so like I shared it on my story with their permission and I had a lot of people saying the same thing and I was like we just can't have this so (laughs) whenever I'm super passionate about something it, it usually just turns into like a thing for me so that's how I ended up doing the first video but I usually um allow people to send me questions up until the point where I'm like okay well I'm gonna make the video because I have x amount of questions so for my next video we're talking ass eating breaking up during COVID while still living with the person and a few other things so, wow, yeah. that's a lot of content wow it's many layers <laughs> and that's why i haven't done that video yet i'm like oh like how how can i even do this for sure i mean i feel like we live in a culture that on the one hand is so like sex obsessed but not like sex positive in a way i, I, I want to be yeah. more precise than what i'm saying but on the other time it's like there's this still weird like taboos around like what we can say and like what's appropriate for like what all that like respectability like crap that we all know is like a sham anyway but like do you like how do you feel about like putting yourself out there like do you have to navigate any types of like anxiety or I don't know maybe I'm just projecting my own like nervousness and own prudishness on the situation but I'm curious like because you're talking about really real like urgent stuff so how do you do you navigate those kinds of feelings um I think that that was something I had to navigate in therapy where it was just like because there was a certain point on my podcast where it was like I was talking about sex and then men would dm me and like assume that I'd be down with it for them so this is something that like I often kind of have to deal with where I'm like okay I can say I'm into something but that doesn't mean I'm gonna do it with you because I'm not into you you know what I mean um (laughs) I get that I get that kind of often to be honest um so yeah I mean it's not anxiety really it's more so like whatever comes from it that I think about often because like a lot of women and um, folks listen to my podcast, but it's the men that'll be like, they'll listen to like a clip or a snippet. And then it's like, Oh shit, she's down for X, Y, and Z. And then the next thing I know, my DMS are like a mess, but everybody else is pretty much respectful. Um, there was a time where I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to talk about um, sex as much, but like that goes hand in hand with, romance and dating and there are so many things that we don't know about sex as well as love and dating that like I've always been curious about especially since like I was a Catholic school kid and you know I grew up in a black household where like to this day we still don't talk about sex so if I have questions I'm gonna ask them um if there are things that I'm exploring I'm gonna explore them and I don't mind sharing them because there might be somebody else out there who um lives the same way or has the same questions and they're not getting answers either so yeah I kind of think of it that way so that way I don't psych myself out of course do you have like a a copy and paste reply just open your dms be like not for me bye 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 no sometimes like it depends because I do read all my dms (laughs) but like sometimes I'm like if you catch me on the day where I'm pmsing I might respond I might curse you out or I might just block you so it depends how I'm feeling. <laughs> Definitely. 
that seems fair. So what do you feel in terms of, you know, questions that are not being answered about sex? I mean, I actually really, I think Marcel, like you put it well, that I, that we live in such a sex-obsessed world, yet at the same time, A, a lot of it isn't positive, and B, there's also like a f- kind of small number of point of views and approaches that are actually mainstream and discussed, and there's so much that we don't know, and so much that actually really sadly, I think a lot of people like never discover about themselves or others. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel like, as you're now sort of like a demi-expert in this, and you're always thinking about it and hearing from people, what do you think that some of the most underexplored topics are as it relates to sex and dating like what are some things that you'd like to see paid more attention to honestly honestly it's the most basic shit like people are not honest about their pleasure and that's what i've learned a lot so when i started doing the videos i was getting a lot of questions from people and they would be like yeah well you know i love this person but like you know I'm not having an orgasm or, you know, I really love this person. I really enjoy this person, but you know, our sex life is lacking. You know, um, there are things I want to try, but like when I bring it to the table, he's not, um, or they're not willing to do it and not willing to do it because they don't enjoy it, but because of whatever type of homophobic or, um negative things that they have assigned to this one particular thing and so it's like there's so much like pleasure that can be had that we are just not allowing ourselves to have for the sake of a lot of things but for i've noticed when it comes to women it's like for the sake of a relationship and i've been celibate for almost three years now uh, probably about the same time as the podcast maybe two years and so it's like excuse me I've learned a lot about myself I learned about a lot about what I want to explore and I'm confident in saying that um I'm confident in saying that in the moment and I'm confident in saying that just in casual conversation but there are a lot of people who are afraid to bring these conversations to the front and to me that just never makes sense especially if this was somebody that you say you love or that you're in a relationship with and that you're getting to know. Where do you think this hesitancy, like what is it, is it fear? Is it what, what do you think is like the cause of this type of a pleasure crisis? That's like the, yeah. Cause I mean, there, <clears throat> there is like a huge, huge, huge pleasure gap. Um, I think I read that it's like, lesbian women are having the highest amount of orgasms and straight women are not like i think straight women might be at the bottom i think it's straight men gay men lesbian women and then straight women are at the bottom when it comes to orgasm so there is a huge pleasure gap um i think it comes from like being insecure um not even being insecure but like not being confident in the reaction because you nobody really wants to be rejected but nobody especially wants to be rejected during sex because it's just like um it kind of makes you like want to go back in your shell you know like if you want to try something new and you say like hey can we try x y and z and your partner is like shaming you about it it's not even that they're not into it but they're also shaming you about it you may never want to try that again 
So it's just, I think people are very afraid of the reaction that people may give them. That's what it is. Hmm. And then, you know, some people run their mouths. So it could be like, okay, cool. Well, we're not going to do it. But then now you're telling your homeboys and then they're telling their girlfriends. And now it's a whole thing. And everybody knows that you are interested in this one thing. Yeah, that's a that's a definitely like a nasty social practice. Mm-hmm. How people talk about their intimate lives, but I also I'm somehow not surprised to hear that straight women are at the bottom of the, of the orgasm totem pole. I feel like also, I mean, it's been really exciting. Like even since we're all around the same age, like even in our lifetimes, to see conversations about women sexuality and sex positivity become a lot more mainstream than even I think when we were in high school. But I feel like at the same time, a lot of women we like are introduced to sex through the lens of like considering male pleasure and like the the man's experience more than their own. Absolutely. I'm sure that that's also like a major, I mean, I feel like that was something I definitely had to unlearn. So it's like, that is like a major hurdle in just completely reorienting like what that experience is even supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think, I just think about like movies, just like basic stuff. Like some of the first exposures to sex that, I mean, at least I had was through film, like, like whatever, like mainstream films. And we see how those scenes play out, like whether it's not like profuse, like rape scenes that get normalized. It's just like what sex is to be like in, in popular media or just like it being so kind of heteronormative, but like male centered. Like I wonder in this moment that we're in now that I hope is leading to more like sustained, like social transformation, like as it relates to just like justice, um, this whole rise of like intimacy coordinators in Hollywood being, do you, have you like heard about, <clears throat> I'm sure you've like heard about these, this new job at the entertainment industry, I guess. I'm not actually sure what they do, but I think they help the director, the actor, create you know sex scenes that are I don't know if it's supposed to be more accurate or more uh, more thoughtful but what'd you say yeah I haven't heard that no idea about that oh yeah it's this like new niche like career path in the entertainment industry that's you know trying to you know have something like I guess like a sex director of of like a film Um, I need to look into that yeah, I was like, I was like, hmm, I feel like you'd be really good for that. So, um, yeah, look into that because I think I must have read an article about it. Whatever, but yeah, definitely something you should look at. So I'm just curious to see like how, you know, depictions of sex in our popular media. Uh, but what is popular media anymore? I mean, people are on the internet, you know, like watching whatever they want. So it's so fragmented at this point. But who knows? Only time will tell. But um. You had mentioned this very intriguing uh, video that you're you're planning on doing about being uh, being in a relationship during co- during COVID. This whole like craziness that we're going through, mm-hmm. and so I I'm curious to um, hear what you've learned about you know relationships um, and intimacy through this this crisis because it's obviously completely transformed the way we interact with people um and i can imagine the experience of dating like what does it mean to date during a pandemic i guess it's my question to you (laughs) i have i have no idea and i think that for me i gave up um i wasn't 
talking to anybody before um rona hit and um i think i was just doing a lot of apps or i was doing i was doing a lot of apps or whatever and so once we were like inside inside the the men the people came flocking and then it wasn't just like oh you know I'm looking to date. It was okay. I'm looking. I'm horny, or I'm trying to talk to somebody who doesn't live in my house. Um, this conversation really doesn't have to go beyond where it is right now. And it was just like so not. It, it was just. It wasn't something that I would subscribe to on a normal basis. So to do it in in a pandemic wasn't sitting right with me. And also, it was just like, I noticed for me in particular, using the apps, like I was just talking to men I would never talk to in real life. And I was just like, well, why am I playing myself? Because eventually we're going to have to leave the house. And imagine leaving the house after six months and meeting up with some guy that you would never talk to ever. But because you've established this um, partnership or sort, sort of like emotional relationship over a text now this is your person. So I just gave up dating for 2020. Um, they said things will be normal in 2022. So I will, I'll be 30 by then. So hopefully things will be regular, but I've seen a lot of people, um, either get into relationships. I've seen a lot of people get out of relationships. Um, I've seen people, who are successfully dating um especially since the phases have like opened up and so now they're doing like a lot of like picnic and bar dates but um not a lot of them have actually stuck and then we'll see how dating goes when this pua goes away too because that's going to shift a lot because a lot of us aren't working and we don't know when we will be working which means I guess like that will be less dates. So I don't really know. I don't know how dating works in a pandemic. I haven't figured it out. And I think that's one of the reasons why like it took me so long to do the last episode of my podcast because people would hit me up and be like, hey, so when's the next episode? And I'm like, I'm not even focused on dating right now. Like I don't even like I pushed it to the back burner so much that I'm just like not even considering it for myself. Hmm, yeah, it's just like I the noticed that oh sorry Marcel, what were you gonna say? No, no, you go. I'm just like I, I was just saying it's just layers of intensity. So yeah, I feel you mm-hmm. on just needing to push some things to the back of the runner. I mean, even our own podcast, we had kinda had to take a, a breath to catch our breath and be like, Okay, world is going crazy. But yeah. Isabel, you go. Oh, I was just gonna say that now that you point that out, I hadn't really questioned why, but I've definitely noticed that in public in like bars, public spaces, parks, anywhere that has outdoor seating, there's just so many people on dates. Mm-hmm. I definitely actually really noticed that. And I didn't really think about why that might be, but I suppose it does make sense that a lot of people are thinking like, wow, I have to make up for the lost time of the past three months that I've been chatting online and not actually like having face to face. And yeah. so people, people are lonely. People are very lonely. Cause as soon as we were able to go to the restaurants, people were outside. Like, yeah. I remember, like, when one of the restaurants near me opened up and it was fully packed, everybody on dates. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I feel like there's a new impetus, like, there's an even 
greater social value to dating apps as well because you know previously like even myself included i never really used dating apps i have no problem with them but i just kind of never like took that that train mm-hmm. but so i just assume that if i feel that if i'm in the mood to like talk to a guy or like that's my mindset i can go to an event and like probably like at least like strike a conversation with someone whereas now that that's completely off the table like you can't assume you're, you're that you're gonna like get a number or two on a night out it's like truly the only option for creating a new contact with someone is online yeah yeah because i i have learned through this like i'm i've been on a couple of dates through an app but i've learned through this that like i prefer to meet my man straight up and yeah yeah yeah. lately i've just been getting hit on by like a lot of white men like even if i go outside or like if i go grab like a drink from a bar or something like white men are the only people who talk to me now and i don't i don't understand that but that's what it is for me and you feel like that's a shift that's occurred lately yeah definitely um especially on the apps too i noticed that um probably maybe june ish i feel like apps have always been a way for white men to approach black women um so i've always gotten white white men on apps but like it's just been an influx recently probably since june when we were like protesting more i'm not sure if it's like um some kind of like white guilt or whatever it is but like they have been approaching me the most lately whoa yeah that's that's layered do their like in like <laughs> profile image have like a, them at a protest being like hey like I'm, that's no. that, that's interesting yeah they don't have that but i do always ask from the jump because i've never dated white people before um I always ask from the jump, okay, cool. So, you know, have you been protesting? How are you supporting the black and brown community? I don't play that shit. <laughs> I don't do right? that. Hold so, them yeah. accountable from the very first DM. Uh, good for you. That's, that's like the last question they're probably expecting in the first five minutes of a combo on a dating app. Yeah, and I get unmatched a lot from them. But like, I, I would be playing myself if I didn't ask. Yeah, and if and that tells you so much. If someone's not comfortable with that question, like off, like from the jump, then mm-hmm. I'll even bother like speaking with them. Exactly. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Well, I have a sort of boring logistical question, but I'm personally really curious about it, as I think Marcel is, as we're both sort of workaholics. Um, we're so impressed by all the platforms that you lead, and you know all the things that you're doing and making, especially just because creating something from nothing obviously requires like so much energy and focus and and vision and you're doing this all by yourself so we're wondering like how do you organize your time to consistently create like on somewhat of a schedule and and what is a day in your life as a self-employed independent creator and you know and also like sort of like a public figure like what's that like wow um (laughs) I'm actually not really organized, to be very honest. Um, I have like this big ass calendar, like one of those big calendars from Staples. And I put everything that's happening in that week on the calendar on Sunday. And then I write it again on my notebook on Sunday as well. And I just write a, a list of things that I need to do. And sometimes I check them off and sometimes I don't. Um, I usually stay up late 
especially during the pandemic, my whole, I used to be a morning person and get up very early and now I get up at around nine. But like, since I'm staying up later, I like to um, schedule posts out. I used to work in social media. So like I've learned how to like schedule posts or just make posts um, that I can just upload on Instagram later in the day. There's a few apps that I like to use and that kind of thing. But honestly, I've always been trying to look for that balance where it's like, okay, I'm doing shit, I'm doing shit, I'm doing shit. And I'm also taking time for myself. So, um, you know, on days where it's like the world is really heavy or like, especially when I was protesting um, or like doing community shit, like there were weeks where I wasn't creating. And then I felt bad because I wasn't creating or I wasn't answering somebody's questions. And, you know, um, I take the days that I need. And that's the beauty of like working for myself, which, which I still have to get used to saying because like I, I am getting paid now. So it's like, I am working for myself, but um, I take the time that I need. And my therapist also, I think therapy is a big thing. So it's like my therapist also reminded me that, you know, like I don't have to work a Monday through Friday schedule. I don't even have to work on weekends. So if I take my own time, if I make my own schedule where I can say I don't work on Saturdays and I don't work on Sundays and I also don't work on Mondays, then that's what I'm going to do. If I want to work maybe three days out of the week, I do that. Um, so yeah, I just try to find as much balance as I can. I like to schedule stuff, but for me, I think it's lists that do it for me. Um, I need to see it on paper and then being able to cross it out or like check it off. That just makes me feel better. Yeah, right before you actually got on the call, Isabel and I were having our own <laughs> anxiety, like mutual. We're literally talking about this exactly. <laughs> about just, yeah, because it's so important. I mean, that this idea of self-care, of course, like now it's like a, a marketing label or whatever, but this whole idea that we live in a world that just tells us that we, if we're not productive or, you know, enslaving ourselves to to whatever for this like system that we're part of then we're kind of worthless i mean i mean that's how i i feel like i've been socialized to think it's just constantly productivity but balance is is just where i mean where i'm trying to get to but exactly what you've so like you so powerfully described like also just like taking ownership of like you know your time and like where you want to direct your energy and and knowing when you don't have to when when you need rest that's so that's so key um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you talked about you know scheduling posts things like that we i want to hear more about this um other instagram account that you started true to us um, because I feel like we actually met, like I knew of your podcast, but we met at, I think maybe like one of the nameplate events. And so of course, like a lot of the stuff that you're posting on true to us is like really, um, just beautiful to look at and like inspiring stuff. So yeah. Can you talk more about what that platform is about and yeah, why you started it? Sure. Um, actually true to us started as an edit test. So I was applying for a job right before COVID. And one of the, uh, I guess, things I had to do for this job, it was in social media, was I had to build an entire Instagram post. Um, And it was for a streetwear publication and they wanted like a brand new 
Instagram profile, I would be running like seven different profiles for them. Um, so I made the Instagram and I think I've just made it what I wanted to see. As somebody who's always been into um, streetwear and sneakers, like I, I never see people who look like me. I never see people who look like us. Um, so I just did that. And so I built out the Instagram, you know, it was color coded for a while. And um, I applied for the job. I got the interview, went to the interview and maybe like a week after is when COVID got serious. And they decided that the job was gone. And I think shortly after they fired or like laid off maybe 60% of their staff. So um, from there, I just kind of sat with the Instagram. Even when I was building it out, I was like, no matter what happens, whether or not I get this job, I'm going to keep this Instagram because this could be something. But I didn't know what it was. Um, So one of my writer friends had hit me up and um because I still freelance right and I at the time I was working on a piece on sneakers that also got cut because of COVID and um she had sent me something like a podcast from Complex and it was the same show that they already have as like a visual show with the same host saying the same shit talking about the same people constantly and then I saw Hypebeast had the same thing. And then I saw High Snap, High Snap 80 have the same thing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm kind of over this shit. And it just went back to that place where it was like, I really don't have to wait on anybody. If I want to see it, I can do it myself. But like I battle with that a lot where it's like, I could be the change I want to see, but I also just want you to do the right thing. Um, so I just did it. And I continued, like, I sat with it, and I think I told one friend about it. And he was like, if you want to do it, I think you should do it. Um, if you need help, let me know. So I, I think that was, like, March-ish. And, and I think by April, I fully pushed it out. And um, when I had decided, like, True to Us is going to be a thing or a platform, um, I originally wanted to do, like, a visual series where like I'm speaking to different women and different people in the streetwear and sneaker industry in like sneaker shops and you know we're talking it out visually because I already had a podcast and you know I was like okay well people are asking me for more videos so I should do that and this is when I thought like we were going to be outside in like two weeks so that didn't happen so I pivoted to um doing a podcast just because I had questions and I wanted to, I wanted answers. And so here we are. And that's what it is. True to us is a platform for black and brown women looking for opportunities and to be seen in the streetwear and sneaker industry. And so, yeah. I really love your page also because of the way that you do your reposting where you like really specifically like credit your sources and are I feel like the the way that the page is is curated like naturally shares kind of like just like celebrates and puts on like a lot of different profiles and like shares the attention Mm -hmm. and and I feel like there's a lot of tape of kind of like tastemaker 
profiles of various kinds that, that don't really do that and like don't and like everyone wants ownership of of like an image or they want to they want to be the one who's who's tagged when it's reposted or whatever so I, I really love that about your page and obviously everything on it as well but I also wanted to say like per our conversation before about productivity like um something that I've realized like during during COVID, because I, I was, I'm a, I'm a writer too, an editor, but I was already working from home before all this started. And I feel like one of my biggest problems is that because I work from home and I live alone, I just don't have an on or off button for working. It's like, mm -hmm. if I'm awake, I'm working. And I'm just constantly checking my email and constantly, you know, doing random things, trying to like get ahead of, of the curve of, of the to-do list itself. And I was experiencing the same guilt as you were like when there were times when I just wasn't getting stuff done, even if I knew rationally that I, that I needed a break, I would still have in my heart a feeling of guilt or like a feeling that I was fucking up if I wasn't just doing things. So I think that now I've been trying to kind of reconsider like what productivity actually means and to, and to think more about how leisure is productive because it's like a time to get ideas and recharging itself is a productive action mm -hmm. so i'm trying really hard to like retrain my um neural pathways to to feel that way because it's definitely been like my my like workaholic tendencies have been like really over overly emphasized during this during this time yeah, I just think it's really important to kind of remind yourself that you can't give to anybody if you're not giving to yourself. And so that was my thing when I was like protesting like a couple of months ago. I was like, okay, well, I'm protesting, I'm donating, I'm trying to share information. And like, I would just feel so drained. And it was like, well, I can't keep doing these community events or protests if I don't remember that like I should eat or if I don't remember that like, I should like sleep at a normal time or if I should drink water. It really starts as simple as that. Like I can't take care of my community. I can't create anything that I feel would be of value if I'm not taking care of myself. And like that was easier before Corona, I think, at least work-wise for me, because it's like I also was working from home, but I would work in a coffee shop. So I would go yeah. to a coffee shop like yeah. not far from me. And it was kind of like checking in and checking out. So it's like, all right, I don't want to be here all day, but I know if I get all my work done, you know, it's just like a separation of like home and work. And now that I really don't have that, I have to like enforce myself to make that for myself, if that makes sense. Totally. That's exactly how I feel because I've been doing this because I did the same thing where I would like physically remove myself from my house most days. So that at a certain point I would be like, okay, you know, I'm clocking out at least mentally mm -hmm. and I'm going to physically go home and like my computers in its case and everything and not being able to do that. I, I, I was not ready for how hard it would be to like try and create those boundaries. Yeah. Like I made like a whole little like mini office. I got a desk, you know, I got, a mic for when I want to record and stuff but it's like sometimes I really just can't do it and that's okay yeah it is okay that's what I gotta tell myself too <laughs> yeah I've almost felt like for me like working I mean there's definitely been like weeks where I'm just like nah I'm good I I I, I can't like existential crisis but like the element of control too because I feel like the past few months have just felt felt so 
I don't know. I just like everything is like on its head that almost like my work becomes that one thing that I can like do and channel my energy into. But you know, balance is key as I need to probably like get tattooed on my body at some, at some point. But Same. to to wrap up, I mean, you kind of have a big question for you, but is one that I'm very curious to hear your answer to, which is along the past few years of, you know, wanting to see things in the world and creating them, like what have you learned about yourself in this process? Mm. (laughs) I think what I've learned about myself, I've learned a lot of things, but like um, one thing I've learned is I don't need to wait for anyone. Um, yeah, I, I really don't need to wait for anyone. And there were a lot of times where it was like, I wasn't, or I was scared to do something because, you know, I had mentioned it to somebody and they were like, well, you know, it's a whole bunch of people doing that already. Or like, I had mentioned this to somebody and they asked me like, well, do you know how to do X, Y, and Z? I can pretty much teach myself how to do whatever it is I want to do. So like, even when my videos come up, like I do my own editing and that takes forever. And I'm sure there are people out there who know how to edit super fast and that's beautiful. But for me, I have control over that. And if I need to do it, I can do it. So that's definitely what I've learned um, to just, I kind of try to remind myself that as often as possible. Cause sometimes I'll be like, um, we have those moments where like, we're talking down to ourselves in our head and it's like do I have an actual job not really but like I have created multiple lanes of revenue for myself so I do have a job like if I if I'm talking about work traditionally to like my grandmother she will understand but like I do have jobs right now I have multiple jobs and I'm in control of all of those jobs I'm in control of when they start, I'm in control of when they finish, and I'm in control of how it's curated and how it looks like and how I feel when I do it. So yeah, that's what I've learned so far. You don't have to wait. I love Um, that. Yeah, because there's so many times, like I did the traditional route of going to college because I came from a family of educators. So there was no way I wasn't going to college. But I would be in these offices like my last job was at Pitchfork and I had decided that like that was going to be my last music job and if it didn't work out I just wasn't going to write in music anymore and I left that job feeling so bad about myself and in every aspect and I didn't even feel like I was a good writer just working there and so I had kind of built myself up through all my education to think that I needed to like be at a big name publication in order to feel some sort of success within myself and confidence within myself and in my craft and in my writing to only leave there every single day and feel like shit. So it's like, now I create my own stuff when I want to on my time. And I feel good about every single thing that I make, no matter if it's a two week late video or if it's a random podcast, I just pulled out the sky. Um, I feel good about everything I do and I feel confident about that. And I wasn't getting that at these publications. So now that I have it, I, I refuse to like let that go. 
Amazing. Uh, I've, I'm inspired. Like, like to live by. Like no need for like that validate. Like, cause yeah, we grow up thinking that, you know, we need these validation from these like institutions to say, okay, you're worthy. Like you're important. But I think it's, 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 it's a more empowered step to be like, you know, actually like I'm going to, I create, I define value like for myself and I know what I create is amazing. So bye. <laughs> so I love that. And that's a process. More, there's ultimately like, uh, trying to see who's like talented and popping and doing things based on institutional credibility is such a flawed way of thinking about talent because there's so many more interesting, creative, gifted people doing things that could possibly be housed at these like prestigious places, you know. Mm -hmm. So also like it's already just it's it doesn't do justice to the kinds of people doing like doing work and it never will exactly and that's why i'm always like making sure like i source people and credit people on true to us because these are the people who need to be seen like these are the people who are on the mood boards but they're not getting the job you know it's like a lot of people have seen you and a lot of people know your name but like they're pretending that they don't so like when it comes to true to us i'm always making sure like i'm crediting i'm sourcing and i'm finding people because we all need to be seen at this point. Wow. This has been an amazing conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. We were so excited about this because as people, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for, I guess, a couple, I, we can't keep track. I don't even know, maybe a few years, maybe three years, four years. And so watching you like do your thing, it's been just really like inspiring. And so we're, we're very curious to hear your answers to all these questions. So if people want to keep up with you, what you're doing, how can they do that? Okay. Um, for all things involving me, you can follow me at Life with Jordan on Instagram and Twitter. That's L-I-F-E-W-I-T-H-J-R-D-N. That is also the name of my blog where you can read my written work that I haven't written in a while, and that's okay. Um, for all things Dating at NYC, the podcast, you can listen to Dating at NYC, the podcast on every streaming platform except title at the moment. Um, Dating at NYC, the podcast is also on Instagram under the same name, Dating at NYC Pod. And for all things true to us and streetwear and sneakers, um, you can follow true to us at true underscore T-O underscore us. And that is also streaming on all platforms except Tidal. Beautiful. Okay. And with that, thank you so much again for being a guest on our show, Jordan. Thanks, thanks for having me. And yeah, stay well, um, be safe, rest. And yeah, hopefully yeah. on the other side of this, we can see each other at a, an event someday in 2022. I the, last time, the last time I went outside, I saw you, you both at the, um, the Bronx Museum. Oh, that's oh. right. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> oh, a different world back then. Yeah. Jeez. Like, my friends and I keep thinking, like, that was last year. And I'm like, no, that was, like, fucking winter. Yeah, that's, wow, wow. my heart. Well, that was, a, that was a great night, so. Yeah, I'm another soon. All right. <laughs> well, Have talk to you evening. soon. Have a evening. And, yeah. See you Bye. Bye.